0: Warning, the Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. It's simple, really. You either want to grow in virtue and holiness, or you want to be a sissy, whiny baby. If you choose to move forward, grab your whiskey glass, because the Catholic Man Show is starting right now. (laughs) Welcome to the Catholic Man Show, and I do mean welcome. I hope you can pull up a nice seat and a awesome whiskey glass. Maybe a Catholic Man Show whiskey glass. A lot of people received new Catholic Man yeah. Show Glencairn glasses. Yes, yeah, so a this lot of week. people could be breaking them in for the first time. That would be epic to do that on, like, while we're recording on the show.
1: So epic. Hey, I have a good question for you. Okay, I was thinking about this today. Why is the word shepherd not pronounced Shepherd? Oh, with the P-H? Yeah. I don't know. Shouldn't it be Shepherd? I mean, like, do rule, are rules just meaningless in the <laughs> English language?
0: Yeah, The answer is yes to that. Yeah. To that question. Anyway. Yeah,
1: I just thought maybe you'd be able to help me out there. I'm sorry. I yeah. really,
0: I really, I'm, I provide zero help. Words are hard. Words are hard. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. I'm Adam Minahan sitting here with David Niles. Dave, uh, how was your week this week?
1: I'll do it. Uh, my week was... Uh, well, let me think about it. Okay. It was good. It was fair. Uh, nothing exciting that I can think of anyway that comes to mind. But it was a good week. I had an exciting week. I almost always have good weeks, good days. Mm-hmm. I'm just an optimistic person, you know what I mean? In, in general.
0: I had a very exciting week this week. Do tell. Do my, tell. My, uh, my daughter turned two. Anna Faustina turned two years old. Indeed. So that's pretty fun. Indubitably. Indubitably, she had a birthday party this weekend. She was very excited. She's like the happiest baby. I think I I know. <laughs> She's pretty happy. I'm like her
1: step godfather because my wife is her godmother. Yes, that's true. So I'm like a step
0: godfather. Also, let me throw this out at you. See what you think about this. Okay. Uh, Haley's pregnant. Yeah, dude. I so, know that's awesome. High five. Very nice. <laughs> very excited uh so yeah Haley's pregnant so if you could keep us in your prayers we're very excited to be able to welcome number four uh, number four to this world pray Uh, for
1: a healthy that's numero quattro quattro yes uh pray for a health healthy pregnancy don't say it like that
0: you sound you sound ridiculous when you say it like that oh sorry it's quattro yeah sorry distance poor. uh so anyway uh keep us in your prayers I'm very. Ex- we're obviously extremely excited uh, through the intercession of uh, Saint Gerard. Saint Gerard. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like when people have a cause going, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're doing this through this intercession."
0: Right. You know, Please. Yeah, because Saint Gerard is our, is my he's family's patri- yeah, he's patron saint. So he served you well. He has. He's done very well. Um. So this evening we're gonna drink. I. I this is a cool bottle. This is a very cool bottle. So let me, let me it, look it's at it. it's a Mer- Merhead's Silver Seal Highland Single Malt. Scotch whiskey. It's aged sixteen years, but on the bottle, uh, read mm-hmm. read that it right says, up there. It says "Auxilio dei," which is with the help of God. With the help of God. So, oh yeah, put in that bevcam, and we'll. Uh, I was just, I just wasn't done looking at it. Um. So anyway, that's. Uh, I, I thought that was a pretty cool bottle. So let's try it. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass.
1: Cheers to Jesus. Auxilio dei.
0: Um. So I'll read the tasting notes as you as you drink and. You can tell me what your thoughts are. So the tasting notes is fruity overtones of summer rhubarb uh, are the order of the day with the nose. I think that's, that's a cool way of saying it. The order of the day. Indeed. Uh, it, malt is the first in line, followed by some oak, spice, and creamy vanilla. The palate is walnuts, cigar boxes, <laughs> and vanilla custard
1: with a hint. How can you put that on the... <laughs> it's not the smell of cigar boxes, but it is the taste.
0: The, yeah, with, the, uh, with a hint of all spice, which whatever all spice is, besides the deodorant. Yeah. Or no, that's old spice. Sorry. <laughs> a delicate and mineral lay finish completes this dram, is what it says. Okay. What are your thoughts of, of it?
1: Man, it's kind of, uh, it's a very good Highland whiskey.
0: On the on the nose for me, I get uh, like green apple, citrus. Um, I get a little honey
1: to me it kind of it's got that very standard highland whiskey of it's very smooth and not it's not, not very gonna, complex. it's not going to and it's not going to offend anybody you know what i mean no it's not very complex but there's a lot of people out there who that's that's what they like you know they like the smoothness of the drink they like that it goes down easy maybe they had a hard day they don't mm-hmm. want a hard drink you uh, know they want something that yeah is going to take
0: it's a it's help them a, relax. It's a very quick finish. Um, it does not. It does not linger in the in the on the mouth. How much was it? It was about. I believe it was about fifty bucks for a sixteen year. That's why I went. That's why I I, I, yeah. I, I took the plunge and said <clears throat> I think this is worth at least trying at a sixteen year old scotch.
1: Sure. I don't know if this is true or not, but in my experience, it seems like longer aged whiskeys. Mm-hmm. mellow out a lot of the flavors that mm. that you get, you know, like uh smoky whiskies when i've had a you know 20 year versus a 12 year or just you know whatever the older aged oh you know this is uh, what i'm thinking of is lagavulin mm-hmm. i think i like the uh 16 more than the 21 is it twi- You've had the 21? Yeah.
0: Wow. Was that awesome? Well yeah, you like I the, mean... you said you you're, thinking, You're eight, thinking eight and sixteen, I bet. Eight and
1: sixteen—that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I like the eight more than the sixteen. That's that's what, really yeah. I like the sixteen better than the eight. That's fair. It's it's more of a punch in the mouth. See, I thought it was less of a
0: punch in the mouth. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, mean, I am known as the tongue on the show, <laughs> yeah. so you guys take that for what you want. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes, you are.
0: <laughs> uh. But, I mean, this is a very... For being aged 16 years, I would think that it'd be a little bit more complex than what this is. Mm-hmm. It's a... I think it's it would be a good whiskey to have on your shelf to break out with uh, guys that you have over, you know, discussing theology, you know, maybe your men's group, just to say, hey, we're going to have a 16-year-old scotch together. Um, if you would have thrown this at me and wouldn't told me what year it was, I would have said it was probably like a eight-year scotch yeah maybe 10 uh it, it there's just not a lot of but the presentation is awesome
1: and i like the uh, auxilodei.
0: right that's what i'm saying like the presentation yeah. of the bottle the present the presentation knowing that it's a 16 year old scotch um it is an a plus yeah i the... will pay more for scotch if it
1: says something that gives glory to god on the bottle <laughs> like i will yeah
0: <laughs> Uh I would rate this whiskey if I had to rate it uh, I would say a 6.5 yep. out of 10. I was,
1: yeah I was going to say a 6. 6
0: 6.5 yeah. is what I was. So I mean anyway, uh, a
1: Highland but, but for me a Highland I don't think I could I would ever rate a Highland scotch as a 10 cuz it's not my it's not my brand. You know what I'm saying? It's just right. not what I like.
0: I think it would be tough uh, I don't even know I don't even know if I've had a 10 whiskey. I've tried a lot of whiskeys. I don't know if I've ever rated I would rate one as a 10. I've had a lot of really
1: good whiskeys. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, that's just risky policy. Right. Because does that mean, I mean, I guess you could have another one that's also a 10. One could be a 10 and that doesn't mean it's the best whiskey in the world. You know Mm. what I mean? It depends. You know, like divers in the Olympics, you can get a perfect score, but that doesn't mean it was the best dive that ever took place
0: right i mean so this is this is depends on what depends on your scale right it's subjective right uh it it depends on what the scale is yeah but i'm just saying i
1: I would never give a highland a 10 just because that's not my preference
0: so high so highlands are not going to be peaty for those who who are not into this the scotch game yeah it's not going to be a smoky it's not going to be peaty it's going to be a lot more honey citrusy uh shorter finishes um it, it'll be a little sweeter to the taste. A lot of Highlands are um, aged in sherry casks, so you're going to get the, the sherry notes to it, which is mm-hmm. going to be the sweeter notes. Raisins is, is another common uh, flavor within the Highlands, um, which Highland is just like the location of where it is in Scotland. Right, yeah. Um, it's so, in
1: more of the middle of the island, higher elevation. Uh, the water has different characteristics to it in that mm-hmm. point, you know, before it's made it downstream. I like, you know, I'm a big fan of the Isla scotches or, or Islay scotches is how a lot of people say it, but I've i been told it's really Isla. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're there on the sea, so they, they kind of have more of a salty, peaty. Leathery. I mean, you could make a peaty scotch in the highlands. They just don't, that's just, just not what they do. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Right. And this is a a 40% alcohol by by volume, so it's not going to have a strong alcohol bite. Typically, Highlands do not have the strong alcohol bite to them. Yeah, that's
1: their characteristic is, I mean, if you're going to start drinking scotch, you should start with a Highland because they go down real easy. Mm -hmm. They're nice to drink.
0: And if you wanted to add a little bit of water uh, to these, it it makes it even easier. Sure. Um, So anyway, we actually interviewed Mark Gillespie. He he does a, a podcast called Whiskey Cask Cast whiskey mm-hmm. cast um and he gave us kind of the whiskey 101 so if you go to the catholic com and type in mark Gillespie or whiskey cast um it'll it'll pop up
1: that was a good interview
0: and, yeah and, and we learned a lot from that interview i now
1: don't down i don't uh look down upon blended, blended. scotches we need yeah. to
0: try to have another blended scotch soon mm-hmm. we haven't had one in a while i
1: know um was the green uh johnny walker green is that the
0: last one we did I believe so. that would be the last blended one we did mm-hmm. Which I liked I was, Johnny- You know
1: what, uh, it was on sale at our, this local liquor store mm-hmm. For $35 a bottle There for a long time So I was buying it as much as I could mm-hmm. um, And I really liked it mm-hmm.
0: Real quick uh, We have about a minute left Why are we drinking on air? I think that would be a good recap Because uh, we're exercising the virtue of moderation That's that's kind of the be the, the
1: best reason, I would mm-hmm. say
0: uh, Which we're going to be talking about virtue today Uh, And actually we're going to be talking about Virtue and vice Specifically uh, The capital vice of lust But before we do that We're going to get to the man gear When we get back We're on the Lord's team The winning side So raise your glass
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan. We're drinking some Silver Seal 16-year Highland whiskey.
0: Adam Minahan, father of four. What? I said Adam Minahan, father of four. Yes. Five. Five, actually. Yeah. Yes. You know. Miscarriages are tough.
1: Yeah. Should Uh,
0: we do an episode one time on on miscarriages?
1: uh, I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's... Something that I don't know what the, remember what the stat is, but it, you know. A lot of people have it's, miscarriages. I don't remember if it's the majority or almost the majority of marriages. Maybe we should have a,
0: yeah, because mis- miscarriages are hard. Hey, before we get going on the gear, uh, I want to thank all of our new patrons. We've mm-hmm. had quite a few new patrons. If you just uh, signed up for the Catholic or the Patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show, um, we will get new glasses and, and all your thank you gifts as soon as we can. Juan, Dave, and I spent, well, from 5.30 to about 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, one night last week. I got home just a little after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We sent out like 172? Mm -hmm. Juan, is that right? 172? About 172 boxes of of thank you gifts to people. So we want to thank all of you guys for supporting the Catholic Man Show. We're going to be continually adding new things. Everything that we get only uh, helps the show. Dave Mm -hmm. and I don't take a cut. Of of any any of the profits. Uh, also, if you sign up for the highest membership, which is the friend the friends
1: tier. Um, so, when you came up with friend tier, mm-hmm. you didn't at all pick up on the pun of like frontier. No, I okay. didn't. Interesting.
0: Uh, but if you do, uh, if you become a friends tier like Paul Day, did. Thanks, Paul. Um, you you can uh, we will we'll shout you out on our show we'll also pick we will do it Paul day yeah Paul day um, we will also uh, interview or I actually have you guys interview us once a month have one guy from the, from that tier interview us once a month See. so that'd be cool anyway uh, thank you guys for supporting the Catholic mancho patreon.com slash the Catholic mancho uh, Dave The man gear. Uh, Before we do that, I just want to
1: make an announcement. um, That another announcement. Well, currently, this—I mean, this is not. I think probably everybody knows this, but there's a movie out right now. It's called Unplanned. Mm. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. about Abby Johnson and her, her, her. You know, the big life event that she had when she left Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is so important that we all go see this movie. It's uh, doing very well in the box office, but despite uh,
0: the like Twitter. Yeah, Suspending so, yeah, tw- Twitter
1: suspended the unplanned, you know, the unplanned movie, movie, unplanned, had a Twitter page, and it got suspended the day of the release. Right. So, anyway. They did
0: they it did unsuspended the same day, but.
1: Right, but still. Right. Um, anyway, go, go see the movie. Right. Man for today. Yes. Is it, Did now, did we decide, is it the blazer or the sports jacket? Uh, I, I think the blazer. I think the blazer, but I think we need to differentiate. But, but I think it could easily be a sports jacket.
0: Well, okay, let's, so let's talk about it. So, okay. so we're gonna. So the the man gear today is the blazer. There are three different types of jackets that men wear. Yeah. The uh, suit jacket, the uh, blazer, and the sports jacket. So, Dave, what are the differences between the three?
1: Okay, so uh, a suit jacket is a jacket that comes with. Matching trousers. That's what completes the suit. You have pants and a jacket. Right. Okay. I think everybody knows that. That's what a suit is.
0: And you typically don't wear the jacket without the pants.
1: Right. Uh, you can. People might not notice, but that's just a bad idea because if you are in the habit of wearing the jacket apart from the pants, mm-hmm. o- over time, the jacket will fade more and will no longer match the pants. Okay. And with suits, if the color is off even a little bit, mm-hmm. you notice. Right. Okay. And it's, it, it kind of will ruin it, your suit.
0: It really goes like when you think that there's no such thing as like different shades of black, there definitely is. Yes. And you will...
1: Uh, there are approximately infinite number of uh, <laughs> shades of black. Um, so, so anyway, then, and a suit jacket, that includes everything from uh, tuxedo is a suit mm-hmm. uh, to just your basic navy blue suit. Um, So then the next step down in formality, Mm -hmm. what were you going to say?
0: No, go ahead. That's what I was going to say.
1: Would be the blazer. Mm -hmm. And a blazer is almost the same quality or the same level of formality as a suit. It just doesn't have a matching, just has no matching pants. However, uh, I think that... Well,
0: it's not the same as formality. It's not the same formality. No,
1: it's a step down, but it's pretty close. Okay. Um, But you can wear a blazer with jeans. You, yes, you can. It, it so, does go with jeans, no, okay. no, no doubt. But if something were formal, you could wear a blazer. A, a blazer would be appropriate. If, if you wore other trousers... Like khakis or... Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, or just nice slacks. If you wear a slacks and a blazer, that would fall into the formal category mm-hmm. of dress. Um, but I, I think that a blazer is often a heavier fabric... Um, it also isn't gonna fit quite as tight as a as a suit jacket will. You know, you want your suit jacket to really fit very well, mm-hmm. not that it's um, skin tight on you or you know hipsters these days, right? You but know, more
0: like the James Bond. Yeah, idea. exactly.
1: That it is cut appropriately for your body your body type. It should accentuate the uh, shape of a man's build mm-hmm. um, kind of the upside down triangle. That's really what you're, you're looking for in a, in a suit. So the, the blazer is going to be a little less fitted. And the reason for that is maybe you can wear a, a, a vest under or a vest or a, I mean, a, like a sweater vest underneath mm-hmm. um, just because the blazer, maybe you're going to be maybe outside, it's cold outside more, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, if you're going to be outside a lot, you probably are not going to wear a suit. You might, but it's more likely it's it's likely that you might wear a blazer instead. Um and so also I think you start to get into more tweed fabrics with the blazer. Um I do not like I'm not a big fan of making a statement with the pattern of a suit.
0: Okay. Um, like you mean like the crazy Sometimes they have the crazy checkered checkered patterns or argyle. Is argyle?
1: No, I don't know. I'm sure they make argyle suits, but that would be really out there. But uh, just...
0: What about pinstripe? Do you like pinstripe? No, no,
1: I do like a good pinstripe. Okay. I do like a good pinstripe. But um, just, yeah, when you get into like some of the weird, you know, I I like dark suits. I, I just think that... Lighter colored suits, um, and certainly well, they're
0: for summertime, right? Normally, you wear a lighter co- color suits during the summertime. You
1: can, but but really, the dark. I mean, if you if you're going to get a suit, you need to get a dark suit. It needs to either be charcoal or navy. If you already have a, a navy, a navy pinstripe, a charcoal, and a charcoal st- a pinstripe, at that point, mm-hmm. then I think you expand out into. Uh, so maybe a thinner uh, thinner fabric, summer, lighter-colored suit. Okay. Um, maybe you could get a gray instead of... Let's
0: talk about the buttons.
1: Okay. Um, on the blazer. So, so, yeah, a blazer is often dis- identifiable in because the buttons do not match the color. So on your suit, the cuff buttons are going to be the same color as the fabric itself. It's not going to stand out. Right, it's not going to stand out. Um, but a, a blazer is either going to have usually silver or gold buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to the buttons on your suit, hopefully they're not plastic. I mean, nobody's going to really know, but uh, a good suit's going to be made of bone. Horn. Horn. Horn, yes. Um, and that's going to last a lot longer because your plastic buttons will definitely break. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time. Right. Um, but they will wear out and they will break. Whereas the horn, it, it should last, I mean, as long as you don't you know, fall down and Let's talk about the novelty
0: of uh, the sports coat. Okay, because because so, I think that that's interesting. That I think to, in today's age, the sports coat is almost sports blend, jacket. Yeah, or sports jacket is is blended in with the blazer. Like mm-hmm. there's very, there used to be a very distinct line. Now it's it's very grayed. Well, right. You know, there used to be a uh,
1: very well defined um, etiquette protocol, and that you know comes from I think our British roots. Uh, one of the things Britain, Britain culture did very well was have defined classes, defined activities with defined um, dress and behaviors and, you know, things, ceremonies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all those things are good uh, in, because they honor what it is you're doing. And it sets the mundane apart from the solemn.
0: So there's actually a virtue. It's called in this it's called right. the virtue of decorum. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is uh, dressing according to your state in life and in, in the event that you you're going to. Right,
1: uh, but today the average person is totally unaware of the fact that one thing might be more important than the other, and so everything is kind of devolved into more and more casual. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm a financial advisor. Um, we're one of the few industries that still wait, wears wait. You a give suit. advice for a living. I do. I know people pay me for my. They want to know what I think. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but, um, even in my industry now, uh, a lot of the older guys, they wear golf shirts to work, you know, and just mm-hmm. like, that's, Oh, that's like dressing up, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think so. Uh, so I, I still wear a suit every day, but mm-hmm. the sports jacket was originally for more of a hunting or, um, those kinds of activities where you're going to be outside. So they fit even yeah. looser because, uh, you probably, it's going to be cold maybe outside. So you definitely would have a sweater on underneath, or other layers.
0: They typically have the. Uh, they they can have the elbow yes. pad. Yeah, if you see an elbow pad, patch.
1: elbow patch. That's a sports jacket. Um, but they're also made of more rugged material. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the kind of thing that was it. You know, you would envision maybe falling in the mud. Um, and when I say when we say sports, it was really hunting, um, not like football, right, or soccer, shooting, ski ski shooting, right. Yeah, exactly. The upper class sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sports jacket is nice though it's also almost always a lighter color it's not the dark formal color it's the outside lighter lighter colors
0: uh a place to get a good suit if you're looking for a good suit i've gotten one i think you've gotten several from indochino.com
1: indochino.com yeah i Um, like them
0: it's a nice fitted suit yeah so when we get back we're going to talk about the eight daughters of lust according to saint thomas aquinas we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Have a Catholic Man Show, Glenn, Karen, Glass, with Silver Seal, sixteen-year-old Highland Scotch. We're going to talk about the uh, Eight Daughters of Lust from Saint Thomas Aquinas. Uh, this is somewhat of a philosophical discussion. I'm not a philosopher, neither are you, uh, no. so bear with us here. I think the best way to to start it off is is a um, maybe. Maybe a a story like not not a story but a example of t- to get us going. Okay. So there's a there's a man who is headed to an uh, to a meeting. He's five minutes away from his his business meeting. As he's walking to the meeting, he bypasses a pa- a pastry store a bakery, and he smells delicious donuts being made. His uh lower powers his appetites says that sounds good. Mm-hmm. The irascible appetites? No, it would be the concupis concup. Concupiscible oh, really? appetites, okay. Um, but his, his uh his appetite says that would be good, but he knows if he goes into the bakery, uh, he will be late to the meeting. Mm-hmm. So instead, he bypasses the bakery to get to the meeting on time. Okay. So what just happened there? His higher powers, his intellect and will, overpowered his lower powers, which would be his uh, appetite. Yeah. Now, when your appetites overpower your intellect and will mm-hmm. specifically in the sexual realm saint thomas aquinas would say that is the the or at least my understanding is saint thomas would say that is the the definition of what a the cardinal vice of lust is hmm. okay so we yeah, don't often hear about cardinal vices right yeah okay and, and we've, we talk about virtue all the time here you know the the habitual uh, doing good over and over again, the yeah, habitual yeah. act of, of doing good. Well, you know, vices are are the exact opposite, the habitual act of doing the bad. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and I mean, that's so, what
1: a vice is anyway.
0: Right. I mean, it's, it's not just like, oh, I did one bad thing one time. It's like, I always do this. Right, I fall into this habit. So so I was doing some research on a, a project that I'm working on, and when I came across St. Thomas's Eight Daughters of Lust, I was like, I had never heard of this. Did a little bit of research on it. And I thought this would be a great topic for today. So, because uh, the sexual powers are so, uh, they're, people uh, they're so pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Because sexual uh, activities are so pleasurable, they dominate a lot of times our lower lower faculties, which would be our appetites. Yeah. Um, and St. Thomas believes that the sexual sin will more likely lead us to blindness or irrationality than other sins, because uh, sex is of the greatest pleasures and absorbs absorbs the mind. So it yeah. dominates the mind. So, and you can see this all the time. Plato actually said that the you find a man who is unjust and it is the the most unjust man is a man who is conquered by the the vice of lust. yeah. Well I think that makes sense
1: because this the sexual powers of the person are like the engine they're like the jet engine of of a person okay um, God made man to be a uh, to be the kind of being that gives himself to another mm-hmm. It's what we're made to do in everything you know um, in every relationship, friendship of all kinds, we are made to give ourselves to the other people, okay? Mm-hmm. And so at, you take that to its, you know, it culminates in marriage, in the sexual union, mm-hmm. okay? And so we had, I mean, God made us for this. This is what we're supposed to do. And so I, it's very easy to see how this could, very powerful force, could overtake your uh, will, and but you know we know that when when you ha- when that happens when your will and your intellect is dominated by your appetites. lower yeah the lower passions um, now you're a slave to yourself and right. to your and similar to those passions when, yeah. when
0: St Thomas talks about how when you when you uh, increase in in one virtue you increase in all virtues yeah it, it works the exact same with the other because mm. you're you're not being able to uh, deny yourself so if you're falling into the sin of lust you'll be easier to fall into the sin of calumny or anger or, you know, something like that. Calumny? Calum- calum- yeah. Calumny.
1: Yeah, I know. It's a weird word. I don't
0: like that word. Yeah, um, but but so it works both ways. Yeah, so okay. Of course. So, of course it does. That makes sense. Right. So okay, so uh. so he has eight. He has eight uh, daughters of lust is what he called the first four. When he- I first saw this,
1: I said, yeah, lust would have a lot of children. <laughs> <laughs> Not- right. Like not because it wanted them, but just it, you know, it ended up with them.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, um. So he has four that attacked the mind, and then four that attacked the will. Four that attacked the will. Okay. Um. So we'll go. We'll go through maybe the first four, and I, I think the first one is probably the most important uh, to spend the time on, which is uh, blindness of of thought. Mm-hmm. Which is you know the blindness of the mind. Yeah. Um. Which I think you can you can see that totally. Uh. Mm-hmm. In. in and people who struggle with lust, uh, uh,
1: well, absolutely. I mean, even big the Big Bang Theory. They joke around about this all the time. That uh, when one of the one of the guys has sex with somebody, that he's dumb the next day. You know that it's it affects his his brain, and he's not able to think anymore. And you know that oh, you shouldn't have sex because you know you're not going to be a good a sci- You won't be a good scientist anymore. Um, and so, if, if even the Big Bang Theory knows this, mm-hmm. then it must be true because, right? Uh, yeah, it, it just it's made its way down to even sitcoms,
0: right? So if if lust affects like your your thought process, it affects how you view reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see how, like for instance, uh, somebody who says, "I want to be an actor," but they're terrible at acting. Yeah, but they're so uh, so engulfed in the idea of being uh famous and and making a bunch of money that they don't take the advice of their friend that says hey listen man you should probably uh pursue a different career than acting because you ain't good because you're not very good at it but they're so engulfed in the idea of being famous and and obtaining all this money that they don't take that advice yeah okay so or, or like uh the alcoholic who continually enjoys you know uh getting drunk you know falling into this vice of, of um
1: yeah or people who are you know in the cancer ward outside smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. you know right
0: which, i mean so th- they they it goes to the point where you you're not willing to take any advice you're, you're so blind to the vice that you're in and that's the interesting thing about lust is is saint thomas says the deeper that you get into the vice of lust the more blind you become to the point of you don't even realize that you are falling into this vice.
1: Yeah. And you know what I think is interesting is that we're talking here about lust. We're not talking about sex.
0: Right. Okay. So let's talk about that. Because. I think that's a good point. Oh, we probably won't have time. Well, I
1: Well, I think we have time. Um, when college guys are, you know, all they're doing is trying to get laid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It does dominate their thoughts. Um, and they forsake other things that they should be doing. Okay. I was once in college. Um, and I just know that it has that dumbing effect on, on the brain in that, oh, I'm not thinking about these other things. And, you know, you'll hear women say, oh, uh, men only want one thing. You know, they, they don't, they don't think with their head, mm-hmm. um, And so it's like, these are little social proofs of what we're talking about. But the married man does not suffer from these consequences. You know what I mean? And that's interesting. And I think it's because uh, he's not pursuing it. Uh, You know, he's not pursuing sex. He has... he's married. You know, it's it's not something that he has to spend energy on, you know? Uh, And I don't think it's something that was actually intended... To have energy spent on in this way, you should have energy, you should spend energy pursuing a relationship. And that relationship should bloom Mm -hmm. into a sexual, into a sexuality, sexual expression. But it shouldn't, you know, we're putting the cart before the horse now in society. I
0: I think that the lust comes from, you know, the lack of the custody of the mind. You know, we're. We're creatures, and so like, you know you see something that is uh, attractive, and and you want it because it's a good thing. You know yeah. the body is good. Sure. Um, you even, without thinking about it, have some kind of thought of a sexual nature before you think about it. Still not a sin. Mm-hmm. Now, when you start entertaining the idea of that sin, or start fantasizing about this idea of of, of a sexual encounter or things like that. That's the lack of custody of the mind, which becomes, which is where the sin comes in. Yeah, because it's the perversion of the good. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, right, it's perverting right. the. It, it it now becomes more of the inner, inward instead of the outward. You're not you're no longer wanting to give. You're wanting, you're wanting to to to, to have. Yeah, to snatch, to take. Right. So uh, so we only have two minutes. So let's go over the other the other three really quick. Okay. Rashness, which is the concern, it concerns the way the disorder of the sexual desire hinders the counsel what is to be done for the sake of the end. So it, it can blind you to the means of achieving those ends. So it's like, I don't care how I get it. I just want, like you, you, and you can see these, these guys all the time, you know, uh, who struggle with the sin of lust. It's like, impulse 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 right. it doesn't matter how i just i just need this I need, right uh they act on their appetites quickly mm-hmm. they get you know it's and and in order to counter that it, you have to have the self-denial you have to deny yourself in the little things to where whenever big things come up you're able to deny yourself and that's what i mean that's why we're in this this season of lent right now it's a, it's a denial of self yeah uh, the next one is thoughtlessness, the failure to, uh, of the intellect even to attend to the means of the end, not even bother to think of the means or the ends. So again, it's it's just that it which is similar, yeah, which is very very similar. But it's it, it you're no longer you're getting to the point where you're no longer thinking about anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a complete thoughtless. And I think that that, that goes to just being completely absent-minded of anything yeah that's what i was
1: thinking it's absent-mindedness
0: yeah and the last one is inconstancy. In it's like uh, again we kind of already talked about it but it's the lack of custody of the mind it's being able to it's it's dwelling on this idea yeah. yeah being swayed to and fro against your will even right yeah um so anyway those are the four daughters of lust that uh, attack the mind when we get back we're going to talk about the ones that attack the will we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show, I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan, a.k.a. The Tongue, we're talking about lust and all the daughters, the eight daughters of lust. Uh, this is uh, something put out by Thomas Aquinas, and I think that Thomas Aquinas is really a, maybe an, a, the expert on sexual sin.
0: Well, he actually expounds on this, believe it or not, he actually expounds on this from St. Gregory the Great. Really? Okay. So this wasn't his uh, thoughts on... He only expounded upon these eight daughters of lust from St. Gregory the Great.
1: Well, I think that he is a reliable source for, well, for everything, but especially the realm of sexuality, because he was one of the few saints in history who was given a gift, a grace, a very unique, special grace of God, where he did not struggle with sexual temptation.
0: Yes. I mean, that's why you know he's the universal doctor
1: of the Church, so... I'll, Pretty much But but everything. But, uh, you know, his parents, he wanted to become a monk. His parents locked him in a tower, and they sent a prostitute in there to try to seduce him. And he chased her off with, like, a flame, a hot iron, and he carved a cross, burned a cross in the door. Mm -hmm. And then that night he received a grace from God. He said, you will never be tempted with sexual desire again. And so I think that makes his writings on the subject even more... Um, credible, because the further away you get from a sin, the more accurately you can see it.
0: You, you no longer have the blindness of mind.
1: Right. Yeah. And so, because this was something he stru he did not struggle with at all, mm-hmm. I think it gives him clearer vision on the twistedness of it. Right. Okay.
0: So we just discussed last segment on uh you know the four daughters that attack the mind. Now we can t- we can go into the four uh, that consists of the attacking of the will. Yeah. And the first one is self-love, mm. which is very, I mean, to me that that's very obvious. I, I have that.
1: I have that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh self-love is it is the thoughtless it's like a, it's a thoughtless person that entirely sunk into their disorderly pleasures. So it almost encu- like encompasses all of the uh, uh appetite of the mind or the attacks of the mind and manifests itself into this self-love or this attack of the will. Yeah. Uh, Edward Fazer, Dr. Edward Fazer says, the mind is corrupted by lust. Uh, the mind corrupted by lust wants to make reality conform to itself rather than to make itself conform to reality, mm-hmm. which I think is, is uh, you know, hence the very idea that there is such a thing as as natural, objective, moral order, especially where sex is concerned, becomes unbearable to the lustful person. Yeah and i think that you can under, you can see that um, with with men and women who who struggle with with lust it seems like you know one degree of of sexual disorder Never satisfies the appetite, and so they go deeper. And you know, there's or
1: for long anyway. For long, yeah. yeah.
0: And so it seems like that they continue growing deeper and deeper into this disorder of sexual desire. Yeah, I think it's important to say that this
1: is what sin always does: is it takes a good that man was created for and to be, and twists it into something perverse. So in this case, man is to man is made to make a gift of himself. And now he is making a gift to himself mm-hmm. in in this self love of you know I, I now serve myself instead of using myself to serve others,
0: right? Because uh, you know the sexual the sexual embrace is is uh, uh, it, it's giving of yourself to your wife, but it's also a procreation act. You know it's unitive and procreative. Yeah. So I mean it has it's uh, nothing to do with you. It's uh, it's all about giving of yourself to right. your wife and also to uh, potentially a newborn baby. Only a servant a new baby. Only
1: a servant, a true servant can truly make love. If, if you're not a servant, then then you're not doing it right.
0: Well yeah, I mean uh, because that's that's loving one, you know willing the good of the other. you know desiring yeah. to to lay down yourself like Christ says, you know lay down yourself uh, like he did to, for the church, to your wife. Mm-hmm. you know Christ died for the church. Men, you're supposed to die for your wife. You know, in Ephesians it talks about this. You know, so I mean, that's it's the whole self-sacrificial love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to talk about self love before we go on to the next one? No. Uh, So the next one is hatred of God. So we had self self love, but the next one is hatred of God, which is it it sounds a little harsh, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it sounds harsh, but if God is being itself, if it is goodness itself, if He is goodness itself. Then ha- the hate of what is true and good, it's a facto means it's a hatred of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, I think you
1: see this play out uh, all the time in hatred of religion, which, uh, you know, religion is just the, the worship of God. Um, and so people will literally, sexual sin has caused, I would, you know, millions of people to leave the church. Well yeah because I mean, because oh, the church won't let me live my life the way I want to live it so yeah. I'm just gonna leave.
0: Well our, our mother said to, in Fatima that uh, more sins go to hell because of the sins of the flesh than any other sin.
1: Yeah I mean I don't doubt that at all. Um, in fact, you know this kind of goes back to the blindness of the mind, but um, over and over and over again and I don't mean to make this political and I don't mean this about every every liberal in general but I, I have known many people who were not just a liberal, but they were very extreme in their liberality. And when I've had conversations about, like well, why do you think that? Why do you think that? Why do you think that? Over and over again, it has always come back to a um, sexual sin in their life that they're justifying. And I that's weird to me, that it would play itself out in that way. And that's just my my experience that I've had with several people, um, but that's what it does, and it ends up you end up becoming an atheist mm. because of these sexual sins in your
0: life because they become your god. Well, again, you're you're conforming reality to yourself instead of yourself to reality, right? Yeah. Uh, I I do want to th- mention this. I'm I'm gonna this is a, I'm paraphrasing from from uh, Dr. Edward Faser who's just expounding on this, but he says if someone knows that he is is chained to sins of the flesh yet still loves God and wants to be free from these sins, his love is sincere. So I think that's very important to understand that, you know, even if you're falling into these these sins of lust, yeah. yet you want to be freed from it, uh, it doesn't mean that you hate God in and of itself. That means that, you you know, you're falling into a sin, but your love is sincere if you want to conquer the sin. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's also very important to understand that, you know, if I want to go to Ireland... There's a difference between I'm, I want to go to Ireland and I intend to go to Ireland. Right. Right. If I want to go to, I, I want to go to Ireland. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm planning on going anytime soon. Right. Yeah, But if I,
1: I'm not saving money to get there, but. Right, but I would like to go.
0: Yeah. But if I intend on going to Ireland, that means I, I'm taking steps to making sure that I'm going to go to Ireland. Similarly, we should not want to be saints, but we should intend to be saints. Right. And what does that mean? That means you you, you, you have steps that you're taking to make sure that you are becoming a saint through the grace of God. I mean, it's not it's not through us, but, but uh, there's a difference between wanting and intending, and I think we need to make sure that we understand sure. that there's an importance there. Yeah,
1: and also, just because you might struggle with sins of lust, that doesn't mean that all of these are going to be you. Right. Only a few of these might play themselves out in your life, uh, but I think that if you give yourself over to the sin of lust, it is only a matter of time before all of these will play themselves out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you say I'm not going to fight this fight anymore, well, that's, I'm, you're I'm falling just, into despair.
0: I'm just going to be I'm just going to be a, a lustful dude. You know, right? Well, and, and so uh, uh, similarly, he says, but if someone loves his desires and sins and doesn't want to turn away or or listen to those who urge them to turn away, his love is not sincere.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Which I mean, that's it makes sense. That's hard hitting truth. Yeah, is what that is. Um, anything else that you would like to discuss on hatred of God? Mm-mm. Okay, so the next one is is love of this world. Um, so excessive dis, uh, excessive and disordered love of the lower powers is not natural. You know uh, we talked with Carlo Broussard not not too long ago on one of our episodes and he was talking about again that you know we, we drink for, for its goodness, right? I mean, on the show we drink for its goodness, but it is a lower power good it's, it's a lower appetite good. Right. Which is which is one of the lowest levels of good, the, you know the uh, power of appetite or uh, power of mind and will or the higher uh, appetite uh, powers. I'm sorry, or the higher powers. And so um, this is a lower level good, uh, and if you, but if you get so deep into these lower level vices, then then you love this world, which is not what we're made for. We're made for the glory of God. We're made for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, and so it's very hard to keep your mind focused on the kingdom of God if you're so absorbed in the things of this world. Right. It's the whole be in this world but not of this world. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Right, yeah. And you see that all the time on the news and just uh, modern-day culture where where people will be freaking out about stuff. But if you step back and say... Well, from their perspective, if this life is all that there is, all of a sudden, whatever it is that, okay, like the whole college scandal, you know, people like rich people paying extra money to get their kids into college. I mean, that's wrong, obviously. But I didn't think it was this huge. It's like, didn't everybody know? Or I kind of assumed, like, yeah, I'm sure that happens all the time. Um, But from the worldly perspective, this is a, a egregious. Because, you know, this world, is, if this life is all that there is, you get one shot, mm-hmm. and you didn't get into college, I mean, the rest of your life could have be altered, you know? Um, right, so... I mean, so it becomes a much bigger deal.
0: Right. Uh, so uh, Edward Faser says, people who are a uh, slave to the lower powers are disinterested and incapable of seeing the beauty of the next life and what we're really made for. Yeah. which this is the importance of fasting right we're in this liturgical season of of, of Lent mm-hmm. which is it, it's this denying of self and whenever you deny yourself you realize all of the uh, all the necessities that are needed in this world outside of yourself yeah um, so I think it's important to obviously it's important to fast it's important it, uh, important to abstain on Fridays and those are the eight daughters of lust
1: there they are hopefully we made a little bit of sense they're ugly daughters.
0: Uh, Oh, the last one was despair of this future world, which is what we just... Basically the same as loving the the current world too much. So uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
1: And cheers to Jesus.